Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 43. Or, what should I talk about when I don't have time to play any games? Hey everybody, welcome back. As you can tell from the subtitle of this episode, I've been pretty busy lately. Therefore, it's probably going to be a pretty short show. We've been trying to get our house ready to sell, so I've been spending a lot of time painting and fixing things and that sort of stuff. And there just hasn't been enough time to play, or just been too tired to play when I've had a little bit of time. I'd rather just go to sleep. Fortunately, that project is almost done. Anyway, let me go ahead and jump into the news. I've got a few items. First, uh, it's not a solitaire game, but Van Ryder Games has put Tessin on Kickstarter now. It is available to order via Kickstarter, pre-order it back, I guess. However, it's worth mentioning because there is an If I'm Going Down card available for backers of the Tessin game. If you if you back the game and it's about $12 entry fee, then you can request to get the I'm Going Down If I'm Going Down card if you want it. Fantasy Flight has announced that they now have the first of three Nightmare decks available. I hadn't really heard about these before, but they are print-on-demand cards. There, there's a deck of 20 cards each. What you do is you replace some of the cards for the basic scenarios that come with the game with these cards. Unfortunately, because it's print-on-demand, the quality and texture of the cards for print-on-demand is not the same as a normal game. So if you don't sleeve your cards, you're going to feel the difference. And you know if that bothers you, that's probably just going to be annoying to you. I don't like sleeving my cards. I find it inconvenient and annoying to shuffle. So I think I'll just pass up on this deck. But what these do is they make the game a lot tougher, apparently. So if you're enjoying Lord of the Rings and you're finding you're getting a bit bored because it's too easy, check these out. Also from Fantasy Flight Games, they just announced a game, Eldritch Horror, a game, Eldritch, Eldritch Horror, or Eldritch Horror, I guess, depending on how you like to pronounce it. I don't know what's correct. From reading the description, it sounds a lot like Arkham Horror, but it's but you're going around the world. It's a globe-trotting game of fighting cosmic horrors. There's gates that got to be closed and that sort of thing. So yeah, it sounds very similar to Arkham Horror. I wouldn't be surprised if it has a little bit of Arkham Horror and a little bit of Elder Sign mixed in together, and then some new stuff. It's a big game. It supports one to eight players, cooperative, just like Arkham Horror or Elder Sign. The price tag is $59.95 retail, so it's probably a big game like Arkham Horror. I believe they said it will be available in the fall, so it should be anytime soon. The other item to mention is not well, sort of newsy. Uh, last month, just at the end of the month, there's about three days to go, I got an email from Podbean, the company that holds my podcast, telling me I was about to reach the bandwidth limit for the month. And by about, I mean I had used up 80% of the available bandwidth. But that being said, that means it's possible that you know, at some point in the upcoming months, I may run out of bandwidth at the very end of the month, and the podcast may be unavailable. So you know, if that happens, don't be surprised. I, I will have to figure out how to deal with that. Hopefully it doesn't cause much inconvenience. But you know, there's your heads up for that. Okay, so today's pregame topic is brought to you by Leo Lolo, uh, a BGG user who posted a comment on the podcast forums. He was asking what my top tier solitaire games on are. Um, so I put a quick short list on BGG and I've thought about it more. And I've come up with some games that I really have enjoyed and I think are my favorite 10-ish games. 
So these are not in any particular order, just sort of how I stumbled across them as I was browsing my collection to figure out what to pick. First up is Agricola. I, I enjoy that one because because it's big, because there's a lot of thinking in it, and it's very puzzly, and because there's so much variety. The game brings tons of cards, of which you don't use most of them. Anytime you play, you use, you know, like 7 or 14 out of what, 300 cards. So because of that, there's, there's a ton of replay value, and there's also quite a few expansions that add more cards, and a few of them even add more more mechanics. See, Agricola, especially along with all those expansions, it's a great solitaire game. It plays in something like about 30 to 45 minutes per game. Though a solitaire game is really a campaign game game of like, was it 10 or so, I think, total games? It's not the sort of thing you do in one night, probably. Unfortunately, it's a bit expensive, especially if you decide to get the expansions, but, but again, it has a lot of replayability, even just in the base game. Next up is Space Hulk Death Angel. I like this one because it's so small, so portable, and there's a lot of fun in the game. The theme is really neat, and the game ends up being really tense. Next, I picked At the Gates of Luoyang, which a uh, cousin of Agricola, part of the same series by the same designer, Uwe Rosenberg. I, you know, in a way, I like At the Gates of Luoyang more because of that tableau in the game. You know, I've talked about this game before, but when you're playing solitaire specifically, there's a, a deck of cards that you're going to be able to buy from, and you got to manage which ones you buy to, to maximize your benefit from them. So I've enjoyed that game. It's about 30 to 45 minutes again, probably closer to 45. Probably not quite as much replayability as Agricola, but to me it was more fun. The fourth game is Friday by Freeman Freeze, and that's a, a solitaire, that's a deck building game designed specifically for one player. I kind of dislike calling it a deck building game, but you know, that's what the designer called it. It just it plays so differently from other deck buildings. You're not going out and buying cards. You're just going through your deck and choosing which ones to keep and which ones to get rid of, basically. But I like it because it's it's solitaire only. It is, you know, of the of my list so far, this is the first one that meets that criteria. It's really small and really cheap. It plays well, and it's hard. So you know, it's going to last you for a while before you finally beat the game and get bored of it. You know, the only drawback, as far as I see, to this game really is the pirate fight at the end that you end up having so many cards in your hand and on the table that you're dealing with that it becomes a bit cumbersome and hard to keep track of. Unfortunate just at the end of the game and the game is hard enough that sometimes you won't even reach that so not a big deal. Also I think right now it's currently out of print but it's getting reprinted so hopefully it'll be available soon. Number five is and I've mentioned this one before and I still don't know how to pronounce it, Leve in Mass. It's the Victory Points State of Siege game on the French Revolution. You know, I decided to pick just one victory point game, so they're all really neat. And I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, this is my favorite of all of them. And I, what I really like about it is that I feel like I have a lot more control in the game as I play it. Some of the other ones feel a lot more chaotic. You know, some are more complex and some are easier, but this is a really good representative candidate for that entire series. It is also available as a phone app, and I've been playing it a little bit recently, and I've had fun with it, which surprised me because, you know, I played it a while ago, and I tried it out, I didn't really care for it. And I've finally been playing again recently. I played a few games and it worked out pretty well, and I was surprised. I don't usually like playing board games on the computer or my phone for some reason. I prefer playing like platform games or puzzle games or adventure games. Not so much board games. Anyway, the next one, number six, I think, is Barbarian Prince, which I talked about recently. I really like that one because it's not available so cheap. It's free. All you have to do is print out the components yourself, and you don't need that many of them. I, I mean, what I mean by that is you don't have to print out all of them. For example, you don't have to print out all the books. And I 
wouldn't recommend it because there's so many pages. But the game is a lot of fun. It's very this one's very random, and I think it's better because of that. And just a fun adventure. And it's fun to go through it and, and see what happens to the character. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Number seven is Onirum. It's a game designed for one player, and then a, a variant was created for two players. But it was originally designed as a solitaire game. And I really like this one. I I love the theme and I love the the feel of it. It's really simple card game. You're just playing cards. You're just drawing cards and playing cards. And it's, it's a very casual game with a nice feel. And I, I like that a lot. Again, this is a very cheap game. Number next is D-Day Dice. What I really like about this is there's a lot of variety. You know, I was fortunate. I got got it via the Kickstarter campaign. So I got a lot of extras that came with it for, for the backers. But even without that, you have a fair bit of variety. I think I haven't really used many of those things of the half dozen or so times I've played and I haven't gotten bored of it yet. You know, one of the things I like about games in general is that there's variety. I like randomness if it adds to the variety of the game, but I like games that have lots of choices or as boards or to pick from or characters to pick from and that sort of thing. Next up, and I have a few that are, these next few I sort of listed separately, um, just because for me they have a few more negatives than the other games, but they're still favorites. Uh, next one is Arkham Horror. I love the theme of this game. I love the look of it and playing it is, feels very epic every time I've played it, but I haven't played it in a while. And for me, the size of it is a bit of an issue. You know, I, I know it can be played fast if you're familiar with it and it shouldn't be that daunting, but, but just opening the box is a bit overwhelming at first. And so that does tend to scare me off a bit each time. But you know, again, a great fun game. Uh, next, Lord of the Rings, the living card game. A lot of fun. I've enjoyed every, every time I've played it. I like that it feels a lot like the Lord of the Rings, even though it gets weird. You know, you have two heroes playing together that would never have talked in, in any of the stories if the opportunity had ever come up. You know, weird stuff like that happens. The issue I have with this is it is too collectible. You know, I know they say it's not a CCG because it's a living card game and you know exactly what you get. But still, in my mind, it's still CCG. You're still buying decks every month or however often it is it actually come out. Now, if you're willing to dedicate yourself to the game and keep up with expansion, that sort of thing, it's great. Or even if you just buy a few, it's really neat. But, you know, the base game alone, I think, is really not enough. And that's the issue with it. Number 11 is Mosby's Raiders. I really enjoyed this. You know, it's a, you know unfortunately, it's really the only war game on the list. I mean there's D-Day Dice and there's Live-In Mass but you know, there's war games and then there's war games and to me this is a bit more war gamey than the others. You know, I've had a lot of fun with it. I really enjoy this one. It's it's not complex. The rules are a little hard to figure out at first but once you get them the game is relatively easy. Maybe the drawback about this and why I didn't want to keep it on is because it's kind of hard to come by. Though honestly if you go look on eBay you'll find it relatively cheap. I think between $15 and $30. Maybe a little bit more. You know, the condition varies. But then again, it's cheaper than, say, The Lord of the Rings or Arkham Horror or some of the other games I've mentioned. Another game I really enjoyed, which I don't want to put it as a top 10 or maybe 12 at this point, is Infection, which I just talked about, I think, was the last episode. The the only problem with this game is that it it's just too new for me to really feel comfortable listing it. But it, it definitely was a lot of fun and it has played different than any other games I've tried and, and that's always a plus. 
Yeah, I expect it'll it'll be around and enjoyed for quite a while, but you know, again, it's too new to fairly call it a top ten. There's at least one other game I'd like to have mentioned on this list. It was a lot of fun when I played it. Unfortunately, it's still not available. Hopefully, I'll get published soon. If somebody can negotiate that and stop holding it hostage, you know who you are. Okay, so let's go on to our game because it's getting later and later, and I am ready for bed. Okay, so today's game is Shut the Box. The designer of this game is unknown. This game is a few hundred years old. I think it's in the 1200s. It's a very simple game, and I think it's often used for gambling. At least it often was used for gambling. That's what I read on Wikipedia. And I could see how it would work. You know, it's a sort of game where you can use it to settle a bar tab or something like that. Even it's it's that simple. You could use you could even use it as a start player, which would be pretty neat because it's so fast. What the game looks like depends on the version, but I'll describe mine. It's a little wooden box. It's about five and a half by eight and a half. It's divided into two roughly equal parts. The larger one is basically a, a dice tray that's felt lined for you to roll prepare dice in. And the other part has ten wooden blocks numbered one through ten. And you can flip these over. They're on a little hinge. And you can flip each number individually. And the way the game works, you roll the dice. You add up the total on the dice, and then you flip over numbers equaling that total. And then you roll again and repeat, and you keep doing this until either you can't complete, you can't match a roll by flipping over the tiles, or you've flipped over all the tiles. A game does not take long at all to play, it's maybe a minute, super fast. And there isn't much to it, there's not much thought to it, not much strategy. It's even less complex than Yahtzee. Compared to this, Yahtzee is a very, very deep game. I'm going to go ahead and play it live for you right now. I've got my box over here. The numbers 1 through 10 are up. I've got two dice. These are yellow dice that I got in Dragon Con a few years ago. The the one side are the Dragon Con logo. Now we're to 3. So I'm going to flip over the 3. A 9. I'm going to flip over the 9. A five. I'm gonna flip over the five. Another nine. I already flipped over the nine, so I gotta pick something else to flip. How about the seven plus two? Ten. I'm gonna flip over the ten, which is great. I've got all my highest ones out of the way upset eight. At this point, if, if you're if you lost track, I've got the one, the four, the six, and the eight still ready to be flipped. I rolled a six. I will flip that over. I rolled another six and I've got the one, the four, and the eight. There's no way to add up to six so the game is over. My final score is one plus four plus eight or thirteen. Now if I play again I'm going to try and beat that score by going lower. You can see it was a really short game and I'm tempted to just quickly try the game again to see if I can do better. You know, I probably won't actually, like I said, 13 is pretty decent. I'll probably get like a 20 or something. Like, oh man, that was close. That wasn't close at all. Let me try again. You know, next thing you know, you've played 5 or 10 games in a couple minutes and you're like, well, well, that's enough. I'm bored. So there you go. That's Shut the Box. It's not a great game, but it is a simple game. And it's a fast game and it's got a bit of replayability in small spurts. Now recently in BGG I had mentioned that the next thing I was going to talk about is cheap. 
maybe I shouldn't have said that because that's not exactly true. If you're gonna buy a version like this in a wooden box, you know it's gonna, I don't know, it's probably gonna cost you ten to fifteen dollars at the store. I got mine at the thrift store. I happened to find a copy there, so it's probably a dollar what I paid for it. So that's not too bad. But you can play this with any pair of dice and any ten things they can use to count. Say ten poker chips or something, or just write the numbers one through ten on a piece of paper. It's also a very portable game if you don't have that dice tray. Now the reason this game is worth talking about though is not the gameplay, but the neat little dice tray. I really like it. it you know, it's felt lined. When I roll my dice, they got a nice wooden sound to it. And I always enjoy that. The rolling surface of my version is a little bit small, but as a bonus, it has ten counters on the top that you can use for any game that needs them. For example, let's say I'm playing a States of Siege game and I have five action points to spend this turn. Some of the States of Siege games have a way to track that on the board, I think some don't. You could use the, the shut the box counters, you know, flip the first five up and as you take an action, flip one down. So you know it's really handy for that sort of thing. I think it looks nice because it's a wooden box also. Like I said, you could use it as a start player. You saw how long playing one game took. You know, it's not super fast. It's not as fast as just having each person roll a die, but you know, it's sort of entertaining way to to watch everybody roll and see who gets a lowest score. So would I buy this game brand new for retail price? No, I don't think so. No, I'm definitely with it. If I find it cheap for a dollar at the thrift store, or, you know, maybe on clearance at some other place, yeah, I'd pick it up for that, just for that dice tray. So there you go. That's this episode's game. Hopefully next episode has a bit more interesting of a game. Thanks for listening. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.